often and change for our, uh, for our appearance when our guests come. Amen. We're getting ready for the guest, folks. We're getting ready. That's always the purpose, the reason we're getting ready. And we want to put our best foot forward for them at all times. Amen. Take your Bibles tonight, if you would, and turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 1 through 6. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 10, verse 1, says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently, about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Father, we thank you for the word and we ask you to speak into our hearts tonight. And we ask in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. God bless you. It's one of my favorite uh, scriptures in the New Testament, the book of Acts, is the story uh, of the scripture that talks about Cornelius. Cornelius was the Gentile. He is representing the Gentile people, the Gentile nation, that the Holy Ghost was for them also. When you read in the book of Acts chapter 10, and you read about how that uh, this man was a man that was uh, a a, a good man, the scripture lets us know that uh, uh, he was a devout man. This is his pedigree. This is his uh, this is his description uh, that is given of him. He was a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Uh, I, I find that uh, it's interesting when you read this that these are the uh, attributes of many people who uh, for this very reason, considers themselves as I am ready for heaven the way I am. Uh, I am saved the way it is, and 
This is all that I need. Uh, this is everything. Uh, they do good deeds. Uh, they are uh, uh, appreciative and, and they are wonderful people. Um, but, uh, uh, and truly they are somebody that you would not mind them being your neighbor. You would trust them in your house. They are people that are uh, sincere people. They're good people. Uh, But I have learned by the scripture that being good is not good enough. Amen. He was a religious man. He was a devout man. He was one that feared God, not just for himself, but with all his house. He was a leader amongst his family. He gave much alms to the people. He gave much alms to the people. And of course, this was good deeds. These were things that he did for others. Amen. And he prayed. He prayed. He was not a prayerless man. The Bible says he prayed to God always. He was a man that prayed all the time. He was a man that was devout for that purpose. And when you read further, he evidently about uh, uh, three o'clock in the afternoon, the Bible says that he had an angel of God appear to him. That, my friend, in today's uh, realm of Christianity would be enough for a a, a book to be written about it, uh, a, a movie to be made about it, uh, uh, an interview is coming your way. Why? Because you had an angel appear to you, and, and uh, that's enough right there uh, to make it uh, clear to everyone. Uh, you must have everything you need, and I want what you've got. Uh, but the angel didn't come to say, Cornelius, you're a good man and you don't need anything else. You're going to heaven. The message was, uh, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. There are some things that are memorial prayers. Amen. They're prayers that just keep coming up and keep coming up. Let me tell you, don't you stop praying for whatever it is you're praying for. You keep on praying. You can't. It's a memorial prayer, and the Lord recognizes. And the Bible says that the angel said further, Now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one named Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Uh, He's going to tell you something more that you ought to do. Uh, I want you to know that Cornelius wasted no time uh, in departing, uh, amen, uh, uh, two of his household servants um, and uh, a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually, the Bible says, um, and they went um, and they heard what Peter said to them and the Bible says Peter came and he preached Jesus to them and the scripture says in verse 44 while Peter yet spake these words the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word and they of the circumcision which believed were 
astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. They of the circumcision which believed were astonished. This was part of the entourage, the group that came with Peter, the witnesses, if you would, that came with Peter when they were told where Peter was going. I don't know that they had anything to say. Amen. They might have been a little concerned about being there. But Peter had a vision also, you see, and the Lord had told him, you go. Amen. Nothing doubting. You go and you go and tell them what uh, they need to hear. Uh, and so the Bible says uh, they heard them. They were, uh, they were astonished uh, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, how did they know? Verse 46 says, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. I want you to know that's still the way that the Lord fills people with the Holy Ghost. They will speak with other tongues. Amen. It happened in the book of Acts and it happens in Palmyra, Missouri today. Then answered Peter, verse 47, when you understand the context of what this is written, and uh, it was those that came with him uh, that he turns to them uh, and he said, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. I want you to know there was no protest. Amen. And the next scripture says he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that the Holy Ghost came to you one day and that you were filled with the Holy Spirit? If the gospel be hid, it is hid to them that were lost. It seems that Peter was addressing those who came with him. He was dealing with those who held the message. Can any man forbid water that these should not be be baptized? Who would hide the gospel? Who would keep them from being baptized? It was those who held this opportunity in their hand. And it was churches, it seemed, can forbid the work of God. The Bible lets us know about Laodicea, Jesus knocking at the door. The Bible lets us know about those having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Amen. Denying. You know what denying means? Forbidding. Amen. This is what Peter said. Can any man forbid? Can any man forbid? Oh, friend, I don't want you to be in that place to where we would forbid others from knowing or hearing or having an opportunity for change in their life. Amen. There is a purpose. There's a purpose. Did you know preaching has a purpose? Amen. Did you know preaching has a purpose? The Bible says we're saved by the foolishness of preaching. It's not foolish preaching, but it is as 
the Gentiles or the Greeks, uh, those who were unbelievers, uh, would look and they couldn't understand why it is that a man gets up in front of others and proclaims the way he does, uh, how foolish that is. Uh, some people would look and say, you're just, uh, uh, you're just a, a, a speaker trying to motivate. Uh, you're a motivational speaker. That's all you are. Oh, no, my friend, uh, I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it is what will save your soul. Amen. We're saved by the foolishness of preaching. Hebrews chapter 11, I read to you about Moses. The Bible says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. It was Moses, a man when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. We find that the life of Moses, he lived to be about 120 years old, and he was a man that had his life divided into three basic measurements of 40 years. The first 40 years, he was known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was the one that was living in the palace of Egypt. Amen. The second 40 years, he had run away and he lived on the backside of the desert. And there he probably thought I will spend the rest of my life. But God had other plans because that last 40, he was just getting started, Brother Nelson, at 80 years old. He was just getting started. He was ready. Amen. God called him to go back and to lead the children of Israel. And he did the next 40-year segment there. But you see, he was probably somewhere around 40 years old when he came to himself. He was about 40 years old when he was come to years and he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, listen, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Moses had respect unto the reward. Oh, I want you to know there's a reward coming. The Bible says David made reference. He said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
forever, forever, forever. You know what he was recognizing? He was recognizing it's not just this life, but I have another. I have an eternity. It's eternity that's looking forward to. It's eternity. Amen. We have an eternal reward. That's why you're here on a Sunday night. That's why you're in the house of God on a Sunday night. Oh, friend, I know if you're like me, I could, I was tired today. This afternoon, I was just tired. We live such lives that are so driven, it seems like. And and I get a few years, you know, and, and I'm at that age, you know, when, uh, when uh, uh, you know, I have friends that are, they, they say, I'm retired now. I, I, I was in, uh, I went to the grocery store after uh, church. My wife uh, uh, had prepared a meal and she had something in the slow cooker and I walked in. It smelled so good. I was taking my coat off. I was getting ready to roll up my sleeves and sit down. And she said, you need to go to the store. I was, oh, okay. And, and so I, uh, you know, went to uh, get a bag of sugar. And, and, uh, and so I, I, I went to the store and, and I grabbed a, a cart and I'm pushing through. I grabbed it because I thought I might pick up something else. And Tim saw me and he says, well, you use in a cart just for a bag of sugar? <laughs> I said, well, not really. You know, I didn't explain. I was behind a lady that I knew, and, and uh, I, I knew her. She used to be a, a secretary of a church here in town, and, and uh, I'd known her for some years, and, and uh, she's uh, talking to me, and, and she's paying for her groceries and she reached in my cart and grabbed the bag of sugar she says I'll pay for this for him I said you don't have to do that she's I know it I can do anything I want I'm retired <laughs> oh so that's the secret amen <laughs> and so I said praise God you know they bagged it up handed it to me and I walked out I said glory hallelujah you got to learn how to rejoice you know at the right time and and so uh, I said, thank you very much. And, and uh, I, I, was, I was grateful for that. I'm going to tell you what, I'm at that age where some people are retiring and, and they're talking about it. And, and uh, the, I'm reminded every once in a while, you know, you get a lot tired or quicker and it's not as easy as it used to be. And, and uh, if I lay down and take a nap, it takes me a lot longer just to wake up and get back with it, you know. And so uh, and this was, seems like it was one of those afternoons. <laughs> And uh, we, we're so driven and we, we got so many things that's upon our plate and we got so many things that drive us. But you know what? You could have done anything else tonight, but you said, I'm going to go to church because I, I'm working for something far more than just feeling good in my body. I'm working for something far greater because I plan on going to heaven someday. I plan on going. I've got an eternal award I'm looking forward to to. David said the goodness of the Lord and mercy. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I think when he wrote forever, he must have been thinking one of these days, Lord, it's not going to be long. I'm going to be in my forever home. Uh, the Bible says the writer of Ecclesiastics wrote, he said, man, he was talking about death, but he said, man goeth to his long home. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, one of these days, we're going to go to our long home. That's our eternal home. We're going to be with the Lord. Can you say amen? Woo, glory to God. 
And so we know, we know that God is on our side. Moses, there's a lot of things you could turn to. Amen. Moses was a good man. Moses had a lot of things that he could do. But Moses had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Amen. He had respect unto the recompense of the reward. You know, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about how that we can get so involved in things. The Bible says the writer, writing to the church, if you would, the writer said, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Excesses is more. More is more. And it can be other excesses. Did not Jesus talk about excesses? In Luke 21, and 34 it says take heed to yourselves lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life and so that day come upon you unawares amen the NIV the same verse says be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. The Amplified, same verse, but be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down and depressed with the giddiness of debauchery and the nausea of self-indulgence and the worldly worries of life and then that day when the Messiah returns will not come on you suddenly like a trap. Oh, I'm telling you, we're living in a time when people are so involved in the trap of worries. They've got, they've got the excessive anxieties of life. It's not the will of God for you to be so corrupted in your spirit that you are dependent upon things outside of God. Oh Lord help us. He has given us the opportunity. Amen. Let me talk to your friend. Let me talk to your parents. Let me share with you something. When you sit down at the table with your family don't unload your anxieties upon your children. They're not built for that. You let them see a smile on your face. You let them hear your praise upon God. You let them know everything's going to be all right. I tell you, I grew up in a poor house. I grew up in a house that did not have a whole lot, but I never heard my mom and dad sit down and tell us, I don't know how we're going to make it. I don't know. There's this just things aren't working out. I never had that. When I laid down my head at night, I laid down knowing that I would wake up. There'd be food on the table. Mama would have something for breakfast for me. I'd have a lunch. I'd have supper. It was life. It was good life. Amen. And I'm telling you, that's what you need to do. You need to say, God's good. Look what he's done. He's blessed us. He's given us a house. He's provided for us. He's helped us. We're seeing so much anxiety and younger and younger and younger and I'm thinking oh God help our children help our youth help our family 
ways because it's not the will of God for us to walk in that. Somebody say amen. Praise God, praise God. We need to recognize where the peace of God. Pray it over your home. Lift your hands over your house. Let the peace of God enter in this place. Let the angels of the Lord rest in my house. Go by and put your hand on the bedroom door. Amen. Of your children, pray the peace of God. Give them good rest. Give them good sleep. Let them wake up. Lord, protect their minds. Protect their spirits. Is somebody with me tonight? Does anybody agree with me tonight? I tell you, we're living in a world that's messed up, that needs the God of peace. The Bible Bible says, amen, that he did some things for us. He took a crown of thorns, amen, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes, I'm healed, praise God, I'm sick. He also said peace. You know what that was? I believe there was a crown of thorns he took upon his brow. He took that crown of thorns because he knew there'd be troubled minds. And he says, I'm going to take the chastisement of peace. I'm telling you, I'm preaching to somebody tonight. And I come against the distractive spirit that would try to enter into your mind right now. And try to keep you away from what you need to hear. But I'm praying in Jesus' name that you recognize that God wants to bring the peace of God. You've got to stop accepting it. You need to look the devil in the face and say, not here. Not on my watch. Get out of this house. I believe believe in the peace of God. Oh God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel I'm on to something right now. The Bible says, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Stop trying to figure it out. You're not going to get all your ducks in a row before you get peace. God wants to give you peace when your world around you is in chaos. That's what the world don't understand. You're not going to get everything right. But you've got God who is right, and he will give you peace in the storm. We've got religious people that know all the ins and outs. I'm going to be in church, and you walk out of here troubled. And you walk back into a troubled world, and you're just, you're just falling apart. I'm not ridiculing you. I'm telling you, you've got to stand against it. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. You cannot put, I know who it is. It's that person that's sitting in my classroom. That's the reason. That's not the reason. I'm telling you, it's because of that person I'm married to. That's not the reason. I'm telling you, if you, did, if you had a boss like mine, that's not the reason. The reason you don't have peace is because you're not going to the peace giver. You've got to recognize that you're always going to have people like that around you. Deal with it. Turn to your neighbor and say, deal with it. (laughs) Some of y'all heard me tell this before. Let me just tell it again. So I was working. I was working 
for Buckhorn Rubber at the time. I was working nights. I was pastoring a church. We was living over on Breckenridge still. Our church was out on Lisa Road. I was having a tough time. We were having a tough time. Our rent was $175 a month for the church. And we hardly had the money to pay it. We had, if we had 30 in church, Brother Brandon, we had a crowd. Brother Gordon, you remember, you was one of them. We had a crowd. And I'm telling you, every time someone paid tithe, <laughs> oh, glory, I ran to the bank because I couldn't wait because we needed it. Our car broke down. Brother Jeff, our car broke down. And my dad loaned me that old truck. The truck that blew oil smoke out the back of it. And a blue cloud followed me everywhere I went. And it wasn't the glory cloud either. And, and, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, we've had those kind of things. I told them, oh, I reminded my wife the other day. I said, boy, we're so blessed. We're so blessed. We're so blessed. I remember when we had that big old long white van with blue trim and it, 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 it got to where it was leaking oil on the heads or something. When you'd start it up, it'd poof, be a big blue cloud. And, and then it would clear up, you know, and it was all right. But that initial start was just Steve, just poof. And I was at Walmart. I was getting ready to start the vehicle, and I looked back there, and there was a couple men standing back there talking right by my tailpipe. I rolled the window down. And I said, excuse me, sir, could you all move? I'm getting ready to start my truck. That blue cloud of smoke come out. They said, oh, thank you. <laughs> if you've never been there, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you've been there, you're, you're right where I'm living right now. I'm going to tell you what. I was driving that my dad's truck, and it was tough. I was working nights. And Wayne, on my way home from work one morning, I had enough. I decided this is where it's going to happen. Let it be. I said, devil, sit down right there while I have a talk with you. I said, I'm tired of you being on my back. I'm tired of you messing with the church. I'm tired of you messing with my family. I want you to get off my finances in Jesus' name. I don't know where he got out somewhere between Hannibal and Palmar, but I want you to know by the time I got home, I had a victory in my spirit. I had a joy in my soul. I had a peace of God. I'm telling you, sometimes you got to put your foot down. The Bible says, says and having done all to stand 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 you got to stand your ground god i feel like preaching and if i'm too loud turn me down because i'm gonna yell i feel the holy ghost tonight hallelujah oh clap your hands to the lord Woo! hallelujah Hallelujah, hallelujah. You see, you can be religious but lost. You can have everything, Cornelius. You're a good man, but you need something more.
Folks, we can do all the things that we feel is right and still miss out on something. Amen. Paul, we talked about it Wednesday night in the Connect group. He was telling everybody. He felt he was, I'm a debtor to everyone. He said this in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 20 through 23. He says, unto the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews to them that are under the law as under the law that I might gain them that are under the law to them that are without law as without law being not without law to God but under the law to Christ that I might gain them that are without law to the weak became I as weak that I might gain the weak I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some and this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be partaker thereof with you Paul said I can never pay this debt off I just keep on paying why was he doing that because one day Paul was a religious man but a lost man that needed something more from God thank God there was a man by the name of Ananias that came and laid his hands on him and he received his sight thank God there was an experience that Paul had that transformed him and changed him hallelujah aren't you glad for the goodness of God hallelujah I am saved. I'm saved by grace. Yes, I am. But you know what? It's not grace plus nothing, minus nothing. My friend, grace is going to do something for me. Grace, my friend. When I hear people say, well, you're you're making works. I look at them and I say, but look, I want to say, have you repented? People that say that are not thinking about what they're saying. They say grace is all that's needed. But the Bible says, except you repent. Now tell me, where's grace fit in with that? Where does grace fit in if there's nothing more? Why do you even have to repent? I'm going to tell you why. Because it's by the grace of God that you're able to repent. It's grace that's going to allow you to be baptized. It's grace that's going to be able to allow you to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with tongues as the Spirit of God gives utterance. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God God leadeth thee to repentance. I'm telling you, the reason you repented is because God was good to you. You need to look at your neighbor and say, God was good to me. Amen. He's done something for you. He has blessed you. He has blessed you in a wonderful way. I'm blessed tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus referenced... Jesus referenced in the scripture, amen, in Matthew chapter 23. And I'm going to close with this. Music come. 
Matthew 23, 15, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. This scripture always stands so strongly out to me about the religious. The religious that needs something more from God. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. There was no one more religious than scribes and Pharisees. But Jesus called them hypocrites. He said, for you can pass sea and land to make one proselyte. A proselyte is a convert. To make one convert. And when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. That used to stump me sometimes. I thought, how is it that somebody can be twofold more the child of hell? Twofold. Because the scribes and the Pharisees were a child of hell all by itself. Jesus was telling them, you're lost. You're lost. But your converts are not just lost. They're lost and they think they're saved. He said, so the only way you can reach somebody that's twofold, more the child of hell, you have to unsave them first before they can get saved. That's twofold. The trouble is that someday, and I'm not, please understand, the exclusiveness of what I'm saying is something that God has to show you. The exclusiveness of what I'm saying is like the Apostle Paul that was a religious man and he thought he was doing everything right his way. And the Lord woke him up and said, Paul, there's something more for you. The importance is like Cornelius. He was a good man, devout, gave much alms to the people. He prayed all the time. He prayed to God always. He was a good man. He was a religious man. But there was something more for him. Now I'm going to tell you, friend, an angel may not appear to you. A bright light may not shine on the road to Damascus and knock you off your horse. And on the ground you lay there being blinded and have to go being led as a blind person for God to wake you up. It doesn't have to happen that way. You can just hear a country preacher tell you it's for you. God's got something more for you. If you can understand that, you can understand God's got a way of waking us up. He's got a way of letting it come to us. I believe it can happen. I believe God can give you dreams. I believe God can change you somehow. He can transform you. Barbara, I'll say it and then 
Ask forgiveness later. Is that all right? Don't get nervous. It's not bad. She told me, she said, one time, she says, I had a dream. She says, I had a dream that the Lord had come and I missed it. She says, I was so upset. It was the middle of the night. I had to know something. So she says, I called Brother Albert in the middle of the night. And when I heard him say, hello, I hung up. That's all I needed. I knew everything was, that was before caller ID. She said, that's all I need. I just needed to hear his voice that he was still, because I knew if Jesus came, he'd be gone. Aren't you glad he was home that night? So you could have some peace of mind. Have you ever been in a place where you felt like God spoke to you? And you knew you had to do something. And you had to do it soon. I'm telling you, it's important for you to be able to say yes, Lord, when it's time. Not everybody's going to have a Cornelius experience. Not everybody's going to have an Apostle Paul experience. But you're going to have your own experience. And it could be you just say yes to him. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Praise God. So if I'm going to say anything, I'm going to tell you what I believe the word of God tells us. You can find it in the book of Acts. You can find it in the teachings of Jesus. You can find it in the writings of the apostles. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Here it is. For the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort saying. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. This untoward generation was a, a, a generation without direction. I tell you that you better get out of that, those who have no direction in their life. They have no reason, no purpose. They're going to wake up someday and it's going to be late. It's going to be late. It's going to be late. Would you stand with me? As a pastor, as a preacher in a small community, my, my pastor told me years ago, he said, now you always keep record of every wedding and every funeral. You write it down keep a record of it so it was in my minister's manual I found a blank page and I began to write the name and the date and I would write it down I have those original pages still and I have not navigated to computer for that I still hand write my record 
on a little page. And so if you would go and look, it goes way back, clear back in the early 80s. And the numbers are real high now. But it's caused me to have an interest in a small community. I know so many people that I, I read the obituaries. And I'll say to my wife, honey, do you know this person? I'll ask one of my children, did you know this one? They're awful young. They're about your age. Did you go to school with them? That's the way it has been. But then it reaches my age. And now I'm seeing classmates and I'm seeing people that I've known and I worked with. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, that's my age. Well, you're you're living all right. I'm telling you, there's nothing that wakes you up more than to think, I could be that close to eternity. I'm preaching to somebody tonight. If I'm stirring you up a little bit, thank God for it. Because I want you to be saved. Don't just be a churchgoer. Don't just be someone that knows all the songs, but you don't have a relationship with the Lord. Don't just be somebody 